0: I want to begin by having you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18, and we're going to be looking at verse 21. Acts chapter 18 and verse 21. Now, let me go ahead and warn you. Some of you who are using newer translations will have something omitted from this particular verse. The reason being is that there are some manuscripts that leave something out of this particular verse that is included in the King James and the New King James and Young's literal translation also includes it. But the NIV, the CEV, and a couple others omit it because um, they they do a a textual argument from manuscripts that not as many manuscripts have it, so they leave it out. Um, It may be that the reason why it's left out of some manuscripts is because of the confusion that it causes, or it may be that this is something that was added later um, to justify something. We just simply don't know, but I'm going to base our discussion this evening, uh, or as far as introducing our discussion uh, from the King James Version, which reads like this. But bid them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. But I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. Uh, Paul is uh, leaving the church at Ephesus, and they're wanting him to stay longer. But he told them he couldn't stay. And the reason why he couldn't stay, we discover in verse 21. In the King James, it names it specifically the reason why he didn't, couldn't stay is because he wanted to get to Jerusalem in time to keep the feast. As I said, the NIV leaves the feast part out. The CEV, C-E-V and a couple others leave the feast part out. Um, but there are manuscripts that have this particular uh, words in it. And that's why the King James, New King James and the, L, the YLT uh, keeps it in. But what I want us to concentrate on is, in verse 21, the fact that he had, Paul had to leave Ephesus when he left Ephesus because he was on a tight time schedule, because he wanted to get to Jerusalem to keep the feast. Now, there is some discussion. People try to trace back the chronology here and try to figure out what kind of feast is being talked about here. Um, There are some people who think this is talking about the Feast of Pentecost. But the majority of commentators think that this feast is the feast of Passover. And you may say, well, what in the world has this got to do with anything? Well, the question that needs to be asked is, why in the world, Paul being who he was and teaching what he taught, why in the world did he want to get back to Jerusalem for the Passover feast? This is the same Paul who wrote in Colossians chapter 2 and 14 that Jesus Christ blotted out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And you drop down a few verses further, it says, Let no man therefore judge you concerning Sabbath days or feast days. In other words, if you don't keep these things, such as the Sabbath or or the, the Jewish feast holidays, Don't let them condemn you because we are no longer under them anymore because Jesus Christ died on the cross and did away with the Old Testament. So the question that needs to be asked um, as far as having a question and answer tonight would be why in the world did Paul have this time constraint that he wanted to be there on that day, the day of the Passover feast, which is more than likely what he's talking about when he knew full well that he was no longer under any obligation whatsoever to keep the Passover. Well, two sides of this. There's a small minority who think that Paul is losing it here, and he is doing some things that are contrary to what he knows is right because of the fact that he's trying to appease um, the Jewish people. And a little bit later on, he does something that also seems something like that. So some people think... That might be what he's doing, but the majority of people think the reason why he wanted to be there was not because it was a religious holiday, but because it was a national holiday. It was a time of being with family. It was a time of enjoying good meals. It was a time of catching up with relatives you have not seen in a long time because they live far away from Jerusalem. It was a time of festivity. It was a time of joy because... The Passover made people remember how that they were redeemed by God when they were in the land of Egypt. It was just a very, very special occasion there in the city of Jerusalem. The reason why I bring this particular passage up and thought it would be interesting if we think about it for a few moments is because, if I have my math right, in just 23 more days we'll be celebrating something in these United States called Christmas. And I think all of us here are well aware of the fact that uh, for some people it is a religious holiday. I think if we carefully study our Bibles, we discover that there is no such thing as uh, Christmas in the Bible. It's something that's not commanded. It's something that um, we find no emphasis in the early church. Um, but yet at the same time, we who live here, uh, we have celebrations. Families get together. Um, there's eating that goes on. There's relatives that are seen that, that, we can't, that we haven't seen in a long time. And my point in that is simply because we have this particular day set aside by the world, we may feel funny because it's being celebrated as Christ's birth when we know that there's no evidence whatsoever that Christ was born during this time. But yet we have the right, as Paul had the right, to use it as a national celebration and to be involved in the festivities of the thing. Um, Many years ago, I preached at a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they had a preacher that was two preachers before me who was very adamant that you could not celebrate the time of Christmas whatsoever. And uh, he said, you couldn't have a tree, you couldn't give gifts, you couldn't do all these things. And, And, of course, not very many people listened to him, but there was one person that uh, didn't want to cause trouble, so uh, he did have a Christmas tree, but whenever the preacher showed up his house, he put the Christmas tree in his closet, which is kind of being disingenuous. But um, anyway, I bring all that up to let you know that however you want to celebrate December 25th is between you and God and between you and your family and that type of thing, and I'm not going to judge you one way or the other. But what I wanted to do tonight is share some things with you I thought were kind of interesting. Um, as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about well, why do we do the things we do around Christmas time? Like, why do we uh, have the different um, uh, items around the house and that type of thing? Where did that come from? And a lot of people think that the things that we use at Christmas time, such as trees or holly or mistletoe or poinsettias and all that kind of thing. Um, they have a religious background, but in reality, they have no religious background whatsoever. Instead, they uh, come from a pagan background. And once again, we don't think of them as being pagan because we don't worship them. We don't worship a tree or worship uh, holly or anything like that. Um, but I just thought it would be interesting to kind of share with you tonight some of the things around that because a lot of times people don't uh, know the background. A lot of the things that we use in Christmas today, as far as uh, the items around the house and whatnot, um, come from the celebration of the feast of the God of Saturn. And the reason for that is Saturn was the God of sowing. And the winter solstice would come around sometime in December. That's when the winter solstice is when it's the shortest day of the year, it's when there's the least amount of sunlight. And they would have a pagan feast to the god Saturn um, because he was the god of sowing. And they had a feast for him because when the days started getting longer and they could start planting again, they wanted to make sure that the god of sowing would give them great crops. Now, before you get too excited and say, well, if all this is based on the god of Saturn, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Well, how many of you yesterday wrote down the name Saturday? Saturday is Saturn's day. It's a celebration of the God of Saturn. Now, we say Saturday probably maybe once a week or maybe more so. But it doesn't make us think of the God of Saturn. And I don't think any of these things makes us think of the God of Saturn. We just think of it for this time of year. But anyway, with that being said, um, Holly, why is Holly such a big time, a big thing this time of year? Well, The pagans used um, holly in their uh, celebration of the god Saturn. And for whatever reason, by the 1600s, holly was a part of European Christian decor. Uh, We don't know why it came about. We don't know if it's just something that was carried down from that pagan holiday and people kept it around. But for some reason, history tells us by the 1600s that holly was being used at Christmas time. Um, another thing in connection with that is mistletoe. And the Druids are responsible for uh, mistletoe. They hung mistletoe in their doorways to ward off evil uh, spirits and to protect their homes. Um, the uh, Celtic people believed it had very special powers. And that's where we get the name mistletoe from. Mistletoe in the Celtic language means all healing. That's why we call it mistletoe. But here's the interesting thing. Why do people kiss under the mistletoe? Maybe you didn't know that they did, but don't stand under the mistletoe if you're at somebody's house. You might get kissed. Why do people kiss under the mistletoe? Well, we can blame the Romans for this. The Romans used mistletoe uh, around 500 B.C. Whenever a nation or an enemy would surrender their arms they would require them to stand under the mistletoe and make peace under the mistletoe kind of like kissing and making up if you will and one of the customs was back then there would be uh, not only the laying down of the swords but there would be the grasping of the forearms and there would be the kissing on the cheek and that's the reason why perhaps we kiss under the mistletoe why do we have poinsettia Uh, bushes or points out of plants around uh, this time of year. Well, for whatever reason, in Taxco, Mexico, spelled T-A-X-C-O, there were some Franciscan priests in the 17th century who started using this indigenous plant, which is a part of Mexico, but he's indigenous, uh, to decorate for Christmas because it naturally bloomed this time of year and they started doing that and a US ambassador to Mexico in 1825 brought back a plant with him and guess what his name was john poinsett and those plants began to be called poinsettas and he told about how in mexico that they had this plant around christmas time and it spread around the united states What about wreaths? Why are wreaths so popular this time of year? Well, once again, the ancient Romans, the Druids and the the Celts, uh, would use wreaths as a symbol of of the unending circle of life to uh, to, uh, celebrate the the winter solstice. And they did not become a part of the Christmas celebration until the 16th century. And they believed that the ones that first started doing this were the Lutherans in Germany. And they wanted it to symbolize the love of God having no beginning or ending. But they would not hang them on their door. They would put them on their table and they would put candles in the wreath and light them. And that's how they used the wreath to uh, celebrate Christmas. Um, One final thing, and that is the Christmas tree. And if you're curious why I'm not touching the guy in the red suit, it's because I don't want to to ruin any. Thing anybody's been told about that. So we'll just go to the Christmas tree and we'll stop there. Um, the reason why the Christmas tree is a part of our uh, modern decor and a part of this time of year, well first of all, it goes back to the Druids again and they worship this tree because it was an evergreen tree. It was a tree that did not die during the winter, but in kept instead it, it, it stayed green. And they, for, they believed that it was symbolic of life and symbolic of the fact that it was a sure sign that winter would eventually end and that sunshine and spring would soon return. Well, how in the world did Christmas trees ever get inside? How did something that the Druids worship outside get into the inside? Well, we know that the idea of bringing Christmas trees into the house all started in Germany. And there's a lot of discussion about how they actually got into houses in Germany. But there is a legend that the tradition began with Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, of course, was a a German reformer. He's the one that started the Protestant Reformation. He nailed his 95 Theses to the door at the church in Wittenberg. And um, he was a a reformer that lived in Germany. And... um, According to the legend, Luther was returning home one winter night and saw the stars twinkling in the sky through tree branches. And evidently, it was like a beautiful, beautiful sight to him. And when he returned home, he was eager to tell his family about it. And he kept trying to describe it to his family. And he felt like they didn't fully understand it. So he went outside, went into the woods, cut down a small fir tree... Brought it indoors and decorated it with candles, and he had that those lights, those candles, stuck within the tree branches to represent the stars that he saw through the um, tree branches. Once again, it had nothing to do with religion. Had nothing to do even in this. If this is true with paganism or anything, he was using it as an illustration. But because of the fact that Martin Luther did it. Lutherans began to bring Christmas trees in their house and start decorating them. And it was strictly a German tradition for many years until 1841, a guy by the name of Prince Albert, who was a German prince, married Queen Victoria. And in 1841, he brought a Christmas tree into the Windsor Castle for the very first time in any home there in Britain and um, put the candles on it and decorated it. And people heard that the prince did this, and Queen Victoria allowed it, and it called on in Britain. And then in the 1800s, we had German immigrants coming over and English immigrants coming over, and they brought over uh, this particular idea and began to have Christmas trees in the house. It wasn't until 1850 here in the United States that people actually began to sell Christmas trees for people to use uh, in their homes. And it wasn't until 1882 that we have our first Christmas tree with electric lights on it. And guess who had the first Christmas tree with electric lights on it? A friend of Thomas Edison's. Had 80 bulbs on it, and it cost a small fortune. But this was in New York City. It wasn't until 1903 that commercially Christmas lights began to sell. But not everybody had them because the first Christmas lights that you would string on your tree cost a week's wage at that time in 1903. So your average person did not have uh, Christmas tree lights. Well, I don't know if that was informative or not. I don't know if it was interesting or not. It was to me. And since we didn't have any questions for tonight, that's just something that popped into my head since we're getting close to that particular time of year. Uh, The main thing is we need to um, be careful in that we never do anything that's against the will of God, but yet at the same time we need to be careful we don't pass laws where God has not passed laws. Uh, You can have two extremes this time of year. Uh, You can insist that someone celebrate Christmas as Christ's birth when there's no scriptural evidence for that. On the other hand, you can swing the pendulum the other way and insist that somebody can't have anything to do with Christmas at all. Uh, Both of those are extremes that are wrong. Instead, we need to find uh, something that is at the same time not displeasing to God, but also something that uh, we can understand that because of the freedom that we enjoy in Jesus Christ, we can still enjoy. Uh, The Apostle Paul, I believe, knew without a doubt that he was under no legal Or religious obligation to keep the Passover. But he wanted to be in Jerusalem. As much as he loved the church at Ephesus. He wanted to be in Jerusalem for the feast. Why? Because it was a time of celebration. It was a time of festival. It was a time of being with family. It was a time of food. It was just a time of fun. And there's nothing wrong with us as Christians today. Enjoying this time. That's a time... A family, a time of fun, a time of food, a festive time. And so I hope that that perhaps this makes us think about these type of things. But anyway, I hope you do have a very happy holidays, even though it's still 23 days down the road. But if there is a need you have this evening, if there's some questions you have concerning your soul, uh, we want to help you in any way that we can. We just want you to come as together we stand and sing.